for our diving Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day everyone and welcome to raw recovery a trudging together podcast my name is dion miller and i will be your host for this for this broadcast uh, i certainly hope that everybody had a fantastic easter um got to spend time with family um you know dying eggs yeah i have grandkids we had a lot of fun a lot of fun so um you guys we're switching things up just a little bit here um since um, Jill does the promoting and talks to a lot of the people before they come on, Jill is now going to be introducing our guests. So I am now going to pass it on over to Jill, who's going to bring on our guest, Wanda. Jill, how are you? I'm wonderful, Dion. Um, thank you, Wanda, for taking your time to share your experience, strength, and hope. Um, with us, I first met Wanda 5-5 of 2015, and I was inspired and am still inspired by her commitment to recovery. I was told that if I want what someone has to watch them, observe them. She is a big part of my recovery because I observed her doing service work. Okay. And that's how I learned to do service work. Fantastic. Uh, and she still does that to this day. Wanda has an incredibly inspiring story. Her experience, strength, and hope has inspired others. Like yourself. To never give up. Mm-hmm. Thank you. No matter what. Yeah. Let us now listen and pay attention to a true winner in the program of AA. That was Wanda, fantastic. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you right, very Jill. much, Jill, for introducing me. Yeah, and You're definitely welcome. thank you for your time. And thank Wanda. you, Dion, for having me on. And we've been looking forward to this. So but let's go ahead, let's go ahead, because I haven't heard your story before. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. Um, the show is now all yours, Wanda. Um, why don't you tell us about yourself and, and, uh, and let us know? Well, until my first drink was at 12 years old. And okay. I didn't know anything about alcohol. I don't even think I knew about alcohol even after I took my first drink. Yeah. But I do know that I get emotional. <laughs> I do know that after I took my first drink and I went home, because we snuck out the window. I wouldn't let my sister sneak out unless she took me with her. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we snuck out and uh, Marty Morningstar is the one that gave me my first drink. Um, an old Indian guy. 
anyway, um, I went home and I found out that it didn't hurt quite as much when my mom called me names and okay. told me that I was not wanted, mm -hmm. that I was an accident, and that uh, when I got beat, it didn't hurt quite as much. Mm -hmm. So um, we, uh, so I snuck out the next night and it become a habit. Mm -hmm. And um, when, um, and this went on for a while. When I was 13, I went and got me a job. I had to lie to get that job. But my brother told me, he says, this is what you do. You go in there and they'll have an application for you to fill out. And one of the questions on the application will be, where did you work before? He says, you need to make up, um, you need to make up a um, name of a restaurant and you need to tell them that you work there. And when it says, why did you, um, Why did you quit? You put down, they went out of business. Mm -hmm. And that way you won't have to have a phone number or nothing like that. Yep. I said, okay, yeah. so I did that. And I think the boss knew I was lying. And I was applying for a dishwasher's job. And they took me in the back and showed me this great big, huge machine. I panicked. Yeah. But I listened to every single word they said because I didn't want to do nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. But he had pulled me aside and told me how to be a good employer. And I remember everything he ever told me. So, and uh, when I was 15, I ran away from home. Okay. I met somebody and I got married. And I spent the next three years with him doing whatever he wanted, beating me or whatever. And I had three kids in that marriage. And when I was 18, my mom had me committed, took me to court and had me committed to a drug program. Okay. And uh, when, you know, my brother, I knew my brother and my stepfather had molested me. So I figured, you know, my brother was going to molest her and everything. And I didn't have any emotional support. I didn't have no financial support, no kind of support whatsoever. Okay. So I ended up giving them up for adoption. Wow. Okay. And it so happens that 47 years later, I got to meet them kids again. And I got them back in my life. So, that is so awesome. Wow. Yep. Wow. Anyway, um, me and him ended up divorcing. Okay. And I ended up, he ended up going to jail for beating me again because he actually beat me in front of somebody. So they helped me put him in jail. Okay. And uh, so... Um, after that there, I started uh, 
hitchhiking. I was supposed to go to that drug program, and I did. Me and my sister went to Louisiana. Okay. And uh, she said, come on, let's go. You don't need that. So we took off. Sure. And uh, we went to, well, she went to Louisiana. She dropped me off in Dallas. I ran into a truck driver. Okay. And back then, uh, I don't know if you know anything about the truck drivers back then, but every mm. single one of them had drugs on them. Yep. So if you hitchhike and truck driver picked you up, you could get some pretty good drugs. Mm -hmm. So I ended up staying with the truck driver. And then for the next three months, I don't know what happened. All I know is that three months later, I was back in Wyoming. And wow, what wow. happened between that time, I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. I know I was doing drugs, and I know I was doing drugs pretty heavily. And, uh, but um, anyway, I went, I went back to Wyoming. I don't even know how I got back there, but I got back there, and I ended up in jail because I had a warrant against me because they said I escaped from the sheriff's car. Well, okay. I never <laughs> made it to the sheriff's car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How could I escape from that? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they put me in jail and they held me until it was time to go to the state hospital. Okay. And uh, after the, uh, uh, you know, I got some really good drugs. They put me on some drugs and we, it was three of us together that became friends and we was like the three musketeers and we would sneak down to the railroad track all the time and we'd uh -huh. get high down there and they'd come back and then they had this new doctor come in and she looked at my chart and she says do you know how many drugs this woman's on? She's supposed <laughs> to be up here to get off these drugs. But she stopped all the drugs. Boy, I got mad. I told her off. Yeah, she ruined your plan, man. <laughs> it did. I was having fun till then. <laughs> and after that there, well, then I... Um, I had to stop doing without the drugs and everything. Anyway, I had lots of fun while I was up there. And then okay. uh, when I got out of um, the, uh, or after I'd been there for a while, I'd been there for a year and a half, I put on a dress. And so they figured I was well and sent me home. I said, heck, I says I would have put on a dress a year and a half ago if I knew that's what was going to get me out. And then, of course, the first night I'm out, I tell my sister, there's a sage club still there she said yeah so we went down to the sage club and got drunk yeah and well my sister didn't my sister never really liked drinking whatsoever she okay. didn't like the feel of it or nothing but i got drunk and uh then um after that i just started um hitchhiking a lot and prostituting to get my drink and all this here and uh, I was, when we was going to the Sage Club before I started the hitchhiking I uh, had uh, um, 
was dating about five guys. Okay. Wasn't sleeping with any of them, just going out, dancing, having a good time. and Nothing wrong with that. No. And then one night, I decided I was sick, and I didn't want to go, so uh, one of the guys, he wanted me to go dancing with him, and I told him, no, I'm sick. I'm not going out tonight. I'm not going to be drinking or anything. And he decided to break in the house and rape me, and I got pregnant from that. And uh, she's the love of my life right now, so okay. I think some people told me you should get an abortion because if you get pregnant from rape, you can uh, get an abortion, and I didn't want to. Yeah. I didn't believe in abortion. Good, for, good for you. Over my life right now, so um certainly uh, and i doubt that you every single day now and yeah but i mean you're not going to treat her any different from any of your other kids i just don't see you doing that wanda no so. i i uh i couldn't do that there yeah. and uh good on you i think that takes a i think that takes a lot of courage and i don't know that i could bring myself around to do it um so i I just gotta say, I have a lot of respect for that, Wanda. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, called myself a professional hitchhiker. Okay. And I was hitchhiking <laughs> when I was like 15 when I ran away from home. When I was yeah. 14, 13, even, I was out there hitchhiking. And the truck drivers, they would take me up to the state line, and tell me I can't take you over the state line. It's illegal. Yep. So they'd drop me off on one side of the yep. state line. I'd walk to the other side and they'd pick yep. me back up again. <laughs> yeah, they'd ask me how old I was and I'd tell them the truth about it. I'd tell them um, how old I was and everything. They didn't want to get in trouble and I didn't blame them. Yeah. And uh I had a lot of fun out there hitchhiking and everything. And when I was drinking and drugging the whole time. Mm -hmm. And when I was pregnant with Michelle, I was in the Sage Club every night drinking. And uh, he, uh, and I found out later that um, you shouldn't be drinking while you're pregnant, but I didn't mm -hmm. know that at the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, we grew, yeah, kind of uh, grew up in a different age. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Michelle, when she was born, she cried constantly and everything. And now I know when I look back at that time that she was probably coming out of alcohol withdrawal. Yeah. And everything. But, yeah. you know, she doesn't drink today. Awesome. So, uh, awesome. yeah, she even tells her kids, you know, this is how you're how your grandma was uh how your grandma did and everything and this is what's going to happen to you if you go out there drinking and drugging and acting a fool yep so uh yeah. anyway um anyway well after i got pregnant with michelle then i married one of the guys that i was um dating at the time running around with at the time and uh, um we stayed married for about three years okay. he didn't beat me or anything but i went out and i drank and left him with the kids and done this and done that and I, mm. so i've done him wrong yeah and um 
but he didn't seem to mind. And I don't know what was going on. He'd go to work and I'd be home with the kids in the daytime. Then I'd drink all night. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I got pregnant again with his son. And um, I couldn't drink. It made me sick every time I'd even smell liquor. I could not wow. drink whatsoever, which was good, I guess. Yeah. And so for the nine months I was pregnant with him, I stayed sober. And well, I don't, I can't say I was sober. I was without alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> big difference. I was basically dry. I wasn't sober. Yeah. Uh, it takes more than that to be sober just to stop drinking. Correct. And um, anyway, we moved back to Wyoming. We moved to Louisiana for a while and lived there. And um, I didn't drink too much there because we would, didn't live close to any bars or anything where I could get out. I could go running around and stuff, but I did drink some. Okay. And uh, we moved back to Wyoming, of course, in Casper, I knew where all the bars was and where everything was, and I knew exactly what I could do and all this here and what I could get away with. When I was 15, I started drinking at the Sage Club, and I knew the owner of the Sage Club, so he'd let me in and everything, and I'd go out dancing and drinking and whatever, and then he... Um, uh, <laughs> he would take me back in the office if the cops came and say, oh, she's working for me. This is my niece. <laughs> nice. So he didn't help me. <laughs> and when I got married to John, he decided that I wasn't drinking right. So he taught me how to drink oh. and uh, taught me how to drink hard liquor and all this Ugh. here because pretty much I was just drinking beer mm. when I ran into him. Okay. Taking a few drugs, not a whole lot. And uh, he he, uh, he got me down to the point to where I was really thinking about this drinking bit. You know, when you're drinking tequila, mm -hmm. if you take it and you pour it in a glass, in a shot glass, and then you drink it, between the bottle and the shot glass, you're losing a few drops. And then you got some left in the glass and you got some left in the bottle where you've lost a lot of liquor there. You can't do that. So I just started drinking straight from the bottle. Yep. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and um, this went on my sister. We, me and him split up. So I moved back to Louisiana with my sister and my and, sister didn't like the fact I guess I was prostituting and on I guess I really wasn't paying a lot of attention to the kids I don't know and uh she'd call the welfare on me and the welfare stepped in and took the kids mm -hmm. and put them in a foster home well I really really missed them and missed having them with me and everything but you know that gave me freedom to prostitute make more money and get more drugs and drink more yeah. And that went on for a long time. And the welfare is determined they weren't going to give the kids back for a while. I ended up back in Denver, Colorado. Okay. And uh, for one, I knew I could go ahead and sleep on the street. Mm hmm. 
uh, in Denver. You know, I could, I knew how to live on the streets here without mm -hmm. any hassle or anything like that there. And I'd walk up and down Broadway and I would beg for a quarter or something, tell them I needed something to eat. When I knew good and well, I didn't want something to eat. I mm -hmm. wanted it for booze. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, and I got to know all the winos down there pretty well, downtown. And <laughs> they would let me go out and beg because they knew I could get more money and then would buy the liquor. And, yep. you know, they took care of me pretty much. And they mm -hmm. wouldn't let nobody bother me. So, and, and uh, it come around to the fact that between sleeping on the streets and having to sleep with people for booze, sleeping with guys i slept with this guy in oklahoma for a long time i lived with him he was a big drug dealer and as long as i let his friends sleep with me and everything then i always had drugs mm -hmm. and, or booze or anything i wanted and uh i mean it was it was a really lonely life mm -hmm. and I just got to the point where I just could not live on the streets no more. I was getting tired of sleeping on the snow. I was getting mm -hmm. cold. And I'd go down to the bus station and go sit in the toilet stall just yep. to get warm. Because then you could do that. I found out now you can't even go in the bathroom at the nope, bus like station unless without you're, a ticket. Yeah. Yep. So, um, Finally, I reached out for help, and um, the woman I reached out to help for happened to know the AA program. She was running a, well, I call it a halfway house. They call it extended family home, the man that ran the house. Yeah. I just can't figure out where we're halfway to. <laughs> <laughs> So he didn't want to call it a halfway house. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and um, uh, they they took me and they introduced me to AA. They introduced me to church and all this here. And, okay. um, you know, I spent, I spent a lot of years out there drinking and drugging and hating God and hating everybody else. When I came in this program, what I knew was hate and anger. Mm -hmm. That was the only two emotions I knew existed. Yep. And uh, it wasn't nobody I loved. My sister didn't kick me out of her house, told me never to return again. My okay. brothers kicked me out of their life. And my kids was in a foster home. So uh, I had nobody. And I was going nowhere. And I remember I used to think, you know, if somebody would give me a break, mm -hmm. I could become a lot of things. You know, I could do a lot of things in my life. And... Uh, I couldn't 
because it was everybody else's fault. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with me whatsoever. Yep. Um, you know, with me drinking and on the streets and everything, that was that had nothing to do with me not being able to go any place in life. Right. And, you know, it was my mama's fault because she didn't tell me I could do this. And it was my mama's fault because of this. It was the school teacher's fault. All the way back, you know. um, And then I remember when I was in fifth grade. I know I'm jumping all over the place. It's (laughs) your show. It makes sense to me. I'm loving this. When I was in fifth grade in Casper. I was the fastest runner in town. Okay. Nobody could, I could outrun a car. Okay. And I proved that when I ran away, my mom found me one time and I outrun her car. Wow. I could run fast. (laughs) Anyway, when I was in fifth grade, I was, uh, I joined the track team and the teacher that I had in fifth grade, she didn't like me. Okay. Because, she wanted, and now I know she's trying to help me, but we was really poor and we couldn't afford um, crepe paper and, mm-hmm. you know, the pasteboard to put stuff on. We couldn't afford none of that. So she would send all the kids to lunch and keep me after and tell me I could get, I could have this and that and everything. Well, Aww. the kids would make fun of me because I was a teacher's <sighs> pet. And yeah. because I wouldn't take this here yeah. stuff, then she didn't like me. And the kids didn't like me because I was a teacher's pet. Man. So every time I would run a race, I would step on the line or I would do this. Or She had an excuse every time why I didn't win. But I was at the end of the line waiting for everybody. Mm-hmm. So um, I never got a ribbon because even though I won and uh, I didn't think that was right. So anyway, uh, she um some of the kids, there was a couple of the kids that liked me, and when they won their ribbon, they um, time out. Sorry about that, guys. There's a little bit of technical stuff, and we're back. Go ahead, Wanda. Okay, anyway, there was a couple of the kids that liked me, and they didn't think that I shouldn't get a ribbon so they gave me their ribbon and I thought that was sweet and uh but she wasn't about to give me one so I you know there was a lot of resentment there where you know I think I should have been the winner and I wasn't yeah and so people were against me you know I had to have that in my head too Mm -hmm. and um so anyway um Once I went to uh, Nellie and Bud's house, I met a lot of people. Mm. That's where I met Ray Hayward. And uh, he would do a lot of things for us girls. And uh, 
get us out to AA meetings and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And when I first got into AA and I got my first sponsor, we were talking about God, you know, because that's where it basically starts out at. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I told her, I says, um, I uh, can't, um, I just can't believe in God. I was raised Pentecostal. My mom was a Pentecostal preacher, and I was raised Pentecostal. And, and that religion, I don't know how much you know about that religion, but once you're saved, Mm -hmm. If you don't stay in that religion and you mm -hmm. go out and you sin, whatever, you can never have God in your heart again. You can wow. never have Christ in your heart again. That's I, it. Yeah, I would never make that. I'd never be able to pull that. So I knew that I was damned to hell anyway. Okay. So I just figured God's going to kick me into hell anyway. Why yeah. should I even bother? Exactly. So my sponsor told me, she says, I want you to sit down and write down what kind of a person you want God to be. So I did, and I still have that list, and I read it once in a while, but cool. she liked what I wrote down, so she says, what you need to do is you need to go and you need to um, read that every single day. So I got up every morning and I read it and I went back to her a week later and she says, did you read it every day? And I said, yes, ma'am. Do you believe it? I said, oh, maybe. She mm -hmm. said, okay, go back and continue reading it every day. She had me <laughs> do that for a long time until I could believe that there actually was someone that was like that person that I could talk to. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, one of the things on there was I wanted a friend. I wanted someone to love me unconditionally mm -hmm. and someone that I could lean on and hold their hand. Yeah. And that's just a few of the little things I wrote down and come to find out that's what kind of a God I got. <laughs> <laughs> so um and after about six months of being sober and being in the program and everything i got married again so um we were together for a month and uh so um, he come home after about a month and he told me, he says, I'm going to move out. And he says, I'm in love with another. He says, I'm in love with another man. So I'm going to leave. I said, okay. I said, aren't you in the wrong house? He says, well, maybe you're in the wrong house because I'm going to move him in here with, with me. No, no, no. We ain't going to play that game. Yeah. Anyway, I found every pill in the house. He was an epileptic. So, and he okay. just got yeah. all of his medicine renewed. And so I took every pill in the house and I uh, took them Ooh. and trying to kill myself. Yeah. 
And I ended up in Denver General. Okay. And uh, I uh, woke up. I don't know how long I was in there. And I woke up and the nurse was giving me a bath. And uh, I couldn't remember anything. They had to teach me how to bathe. How mm-hmm. to walk everything. I didn't know anything. Yep. I didn't know any names of anybody or anything else. I was just completely blank. And I remember one day I looked across the room and I says, I think I know that, that man right over there. She said, You should. She says, That's Santa Claus. <laughs> and you know, it's bad when you can't even know who Santa Claus is. Yeah, isn't he a saint of some kind or you know, and yeah, we 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 laugh at this, but (laughs) when we're going through it, man, it's hard. But gosh, it's so nice to be able to laugh at myself with stuff like that now. It is. And uh there was another thing when I was growing up, people laughed at me so much, and as I Mm -hmm. walked through life, people laughed at me and everything, and um I had to learn that a lot of times when people's laughing at me, they're laughing with me, not at me. And um, that was a really, really hard lesson that I had to learn. Mm -hmm. And um, so Once I, you know, once I learned that, now I can sit down and when someone laughs at me about something, I know why, and I can laugh at laugh at myself as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but anyway, I finally remembered Nellie and Bud's last name, <laughs> so I was looking them up in the book and everything. I finally found their number and called them. Okay. And she came and picked me up at the hospital and took me home. And I figure, you know, from that experience, God pulled me through mm-hmm. that time because there's something I'm supposed to be doing. He's got me here for a reason. He did not want me to leave because there's a reason why I'm supposed to be here. And if it's because I'm helping some of the people that come into AA and I reach out and I talk to them and whatever, maybe that's the reason. I don't know. But, you know, I've tried to, from that point on, I have tried to live my life to where it's pleasing to God because um, because he's the one that keeps me going on a daily basis absolutely and uh, I've tried to work this program to the best of my ability you know when I met Jill uh, it was in an AA room and Mm -hmm. uh me and her got together and we were just trying to help this other gal that uh, she was on a DUI and everything. And we was trying to help her to stay sober and 
do what she had to do and um and I found out later she didn't even appreciate all the things that we did for her. Okay. And which was fine and dandy because at the time I did it, I felt good about mm -hmm. it. And you stayed you know, sober. If she made it not, that's her problem. Yep. It helped me. And I know that's a selfish act, but you know what? When mm. I reach out and help someone, most of the time it is for selfishness. Sure. And it's also for the other guy. Yep. And uh, you know, we had told her that we'd go to court with her because she had to go to court to face her DUI. And we all got kicked out of there. You remember that, Jill? We got how we got kicked out of there. We all stood <laughs> up in court. They wanted, they said only one person could talk for Elizabeth. So uh, I got up and I told them how she'd been going and she'd been working the program and doing this and doing that. And I don't know if that lightened her sentence or whatever, but uh, they went to take her to jail. They put her handcuffs on and everything. And as they taking her out the door, we all stood up and said, we love you, Elizabeth. And the judge said, Get out of my courtroom. <laughs> I've never been kicked out of a courtroom before. Not for loving someone, no. <laughs> but but wow. it was sort of fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um and you know, just little things like that keep me going. Yep. Keep me hanging in there. We had a at the my home group where I go, we had a whole bunch of girls all come in at one time and some young men. And it was just like just one day one, the next week somebody else and everything. And for some reason I just attached myself to all of them. I attached myself to all of them coming in and I just took them up under my wing and I could tell by the way they talked to me and the way they acted, they appreciated that. Yeah. And they still call me and everything. And that's, that's just really nice. You know, that I've got the ability and the knowledge to reach out and help them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and we you make know, God gave me all that. Yeah. And we make lifelong friends out of it. I mean, those are the people that became my true family. That's kind of how I not not that my family isn't my family, but I feel much closer um to my AA friends than a lot of my family. Oh, I do too. It's just like I lost track of Jill for a while. And then one day I walked in the room, there she was. It just <laughs> put a smile on my face. Yeah. And uh, because she was back and everything. Yeah, I just, you know, this program has done so much for me. And I don't like the fact that I necessarily had to go out there and suffer to get to where I'm at now. Yeah. But I yeah. had to. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, what had happened. But now I can use that to my own satisfaction and my own good 
So, Absolutely. you know, uh, and then after I've been sober for 20 years, I stopped, uh, I stopped uh, dating and whatever. And because I'd always picked the wrong man in a bar and everything. So then yep. finally I got to the point, I said, God, I'm ready. I want someone in my life. And he put someone in my life that treated me like a princess. And right. we were together from right. 06 to 14. Wow. And someone asked me one day here not long ago, do you ever want to get married again? I said, I had the best. What do I need with the rest? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He loved me and treated me me like the queen that he said I always was yeah he said that was the best part of his entire life was our life together so I, I think every woman deserves that I really uh, do I think everybody I, should have a chance at being at being feeling loved unconditionally well I had to, I had to settle in my mind what kind of a man I thought I was worth yeah that I was worthy of having yep and once I got to that point, I said, okay, I'm ready, God. And mm -hmm. God just walked him right mm -hmm. into my life. Yeah. So I always say that's a God thing that I had him. Yeah, it's it's so neat because as I go through my life, you know, God gives me so many gifts, none of monetary, um, but he gives me so many gifts. It's that is hard to keep track of anymore. So I do it on a day-to-day -day basis. He gives me gifts every day. So, um, and, and that's where I keep it. You know, it's got to stay in its lane where it belongs. Yeah. I've gotten so many gifts in this program until, you know, I always say I am such a grateful person. Mm -hmm. because of all the gifts I've gotten and all the friends and family that I've gotten. and But like you say, the people in this program is more family to me than my family. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the great thing is... Just, yeah, and it is, it, it is lifelong relationships. Mm -hmm. So... You know, it's like, uh, you know, great example is Jill and I, we started working together last September. Um, you know, we talk almost every day and we've really gotten to know each other. And now she's like a sister to me um, because we've gone through some things together. We went through some hard stuff with our business and things like that. And it brought us closer together because we were able to come together and come up with solutions to help other people out, no matter what the problem was. And that was so cool that I would much rather uh, be part of a solution than anything that that is, uh, you know, damaging to myself. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Jill sits every morning when we get up. Uh, I read my Bible and some other little things. And uh, sometimes I'll come across something. I really like and I'll read it to her and we'll sit here in the uh, TV room and we'll have the news on and sit here and have a little meeting every morning. 
Yeah. And sometimes before we go to bed at nighttime, and then we always make sure that we tell each other that we love each other before we go to bed at night. Absolutely. <laughs> Can't be any other we both, way. We go both got a puppy, and they're just as entertaining <laughs> as they can be. <laughs> and and you know it was really neat the way that that all worked out too. How she was looking for a place. And need a specific a specific kind of situation, and gosh, Wanda, you fit that role. That so, you know, sometimes the sometimes God gives us gives us gifts, and sometimes we are the gift. Sometimes, yes. Um, and that's a hard one for me to accept sometimes too. <laughs> mm-hmm. That I'm good enough to be able to help somebody else out, you know. Um, and, you know, Wanda, I think you hit it on, I think you really hit it on the head is that we are able to help because we've been places other people haven't been. So we understand things that other people may not understand. So now we get to you, now we get to utilize our past as a way to help other people. So we've turned that stuff into gold. Um, yeah. And I like who I am today. In fact, I can, I'll admit, I'm a guy, I don't mind. I love myself and I'm okay with that. But I, I love who I am today mm-hmm. and everything that I've done yeah, before now. I love myself too. And uh, I hope I've helped Jill as much as she's helped me. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's really been, we've really built a good relationship with each other. So that's so cool and you know it's neat because i get to sit back and watch these relationships form and and you don't even really have to be a part of it to enjoy it you know you i i love watching other people succeed so every time somebody succeeds in my life it's another gift because that's what keeps me going is knowing Mm -hmm. that tomorrow i get to help another people another person succeed and that god trusts me with that that's big stuff to yeah. me. Miracle. Yeah. Wanda, thank you so much for taking your time and coming on today. Um, sure. That was, that was beautiful. We got to cry some. We got to laugh some. You know, um, and that's what it's about is is maintaining those emotions um, and being able to see them for what they are now. Yeah. So, and uh, would do you have any parting words that you'd like to give the audience? Well, if you have any problem with drugs and alcohol, what I would suggest is to do everything the program suggests, the people in these rooms suggest that you do, and keep in touch with people. Find mm-hmm. someone that's got what you yep. want, hop in their hip pocket, and stay there. That's until you it. learn what to do Fantastic. and you know that's all we can do today yeah and i think that's a great place to end it thank you everybody for being a part of thank you for listening wanda jill Corey. thanks for helping me do this put it together every story is important I know you may think that your story is not important. Well, I didn't. I didn't go through what Wanda went through. You don't need to. I don't care if your drinking career was two years long. You have something to offer, and I would like you on. 
So that's going to do it for us today on another episode of Raw Recovery. I'm Dion Miller, your host. I love you all. You know I do. Peace out and have a day.